Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome into another edition of UAP's Greatest Hits. It's Stephen Diener here from the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And this one here is uh, probably where I, I say a lot of things turned for for me, for the show, for the UAP disclosure discussion. A lot of stuff happened from this episode, after this episode, and because of this episode, which originally aired on June 27th in 2023. It's when I first spoke to Michael Herrera. And if you're uh, familiar with his story and with Michael Herrera, then you know exactly why this was a big moment um, this past year and for the show. And uh, probably the episode or one of the top three episodes that has gotten the most attention in the show's history. So if you haven't heard it or if you want to hear it again, this was my first exclusive interview with Michael Herrera. I did a second one with him uh, a few months after this, but this is the one that started it all. And of course, Michael went on to the Sean Ryan show and Fade to Black and all a few different shows, but uh, UAP was one of the ones that he decided, this is where I'm going to tell my story. And it is an incredible story that should be heard and should not be forgotten. And Michael Herrera is somebody that... uh, is taken very seriously in the UAP discussion and someone who I plan on talking to again in 2024. But like I said, a lot happened after this interview in 2023. So enjoy now my first discussion with Michael Herrera on this edition of UAP's Greatest Hits. Welcome back into UAP Weekly. It's a new week. It's a new episode right here. Stephen Diener with you on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. I know last week wasn't around, but it was. I think it was uh, a deserved little break after a pretty intense couple of weeks here on UAP and really just with everything that had come out in the news. But now we're going to jump right back into it. No rest for the weary, and I am honored to have on Michael Herrera today. Just a quick background on his story. I know he'll get into it as well, but just so you have a little background before I bring him on. His story kind of, um, well, has, has gone viral over the past few weeks. He was the Marine that was in um, Indonesia on a humanitarian mission back in 2009. And while he was there, he came across him and his men, actually, came across what they described as, you know, basically a classic flying saucer type shape, um, kind of like eight sides to it, and they went down to investigate and held at gunpoint by these unidentified 
you know, like a mercenary type guys dressed all in black. Again, I know he'll explain it, but just to give you a little background. And they're held at gunpoint um, as some type of operation is going on behind them. And from there, they were let go eventually after having their lives threatened by these mercenary type guys. And there's a lot of questions from that story. You know, the technology that they saw, you know, he mentions uh, in his story that they saw this thing flying away, you know, instantaneous acceleration type thing like you would hear on your classic, you know, UAP, UFO type of sighting, takes off and it goes. And his allegation is that this is man-made, a man-made craft using reverse-engineered technology from alien craft. And he spoke about this at the Washington, D.C. Disclosure uh, Project Conference with Dr. Stephen Greer and, you know, covered him during uh, previous UAP Weekly when I talked about a lot of stuff from that conference. But... Now we're going to have on the real deal today. The man himself, Michael Herrera, is going to come on and talk in depth about that story and everything else that kind of leads from that story, uh, stems from that story, and a lot of other things. We're going to cover a lot of ground here today. So going to bring him on now without any further ado because, like I said, we got a lot to cover. Um, Michael Herrera here today on UAP Weekly. Thank you so much. For coming on here, I'm I'm actually I, I like to say I'm honored to have you on. I appreciate everything that you're doing. So thank you for being here today to tell your story and talk about uh, what you know and what you want to get across to to the world. Hey, Stephen, thank you for having me on your show. Um, thank you for what you're doing as far as getting the right information out there. Like I've disclosed to you earlier, um, I've had 68 people as last week, um, all from major news networks. We're talking about CNN, MSNBC, all those. You know, it's not that I don't trust them, but here's the thing is that what people need to understand is there's a narrative being pushed. Mm. The narrative is obviously military industrial complex is trying to vacate a next event because they want to take tax taxpayer money and they want to fund the machine that has been funding because now wars are dwindling down. And that's what everybody's noticing. So now the next narrative is or I should say false narrative is going to be this quote unquote alien invasion that everybody's kind of been hearing about, but it's like, how are they going to carry it out? So um, a little recap on what I talked about in DC during the conference was uh, my experience in Indonesia in 2009. Uh, as a Marine, you know, we do a lot of combat operations, but we do a lot of maritime security as well as humanitarian assistance. And some of the operations that we we're doing out there mainly revolved around humanitarian assistance. So originally it was in the Philippines with a typhoon that had hit. Mm. Um, so the seventh fleet, which is what I was attached to, uh, that's a naval fleet that's out there. Um, we had to respond to that. And so while they had the rest of the fleet engaging that, they ended up tasking my ship because simultaneously they had an earthquake and tsunami that had hit the western part of Sumatra in Indonesia. Um, Padang City is kind of more the AO that we were in. And uh, to recap, we basically came across a 300-foot in diameter, um, you know, they say unidentified flying object, but here's the thing. They're identified these days. Right. People in the government know what they are. So I hate using that term, UAP, because it's identified. We know what we're talking about now. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was kind of more of a – it would be suitable to use that term, but now they're identified. So this was like a classic saucer shape, though, That something that, you know – the you would hear about it in the news. Maybe they would call it a UFO or a UAP on the yeah. news. That's classic saucer shape is what you came across. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this 
like I said in a conference, I mean, the reason why I know it was around 300 feet, at least a football field, right? Because the helicopters that we flew on are CH 53 Supersteins. They're very big helicopters, mainly for uh, transport. Some of them, you know, you can hook a line to them, you can carry uh, howitzers. We've seen them do that. Um, they're pretty big helicopters, almost 100 feet. Hmm. So you could fit from uh, nose to tail three of them underneath this craft. I mean, it was massive. And it, you know, it had an octagonal shape. It has some very intricate designs to it, especially with the way that uh, the transition between the colors. It was like a light, uh, dark, or I should say light matte gray to all the way to like a, a very dark matte black. Hmm. And that's why it stuck out like a sore thumb. So it wasn't something that, you know, we were read into or at least expecting. And it ended up being a surprise of our lives. You know, a lot of sure. people, you know, I, I, I want to tell people this and you're not going to see anything like this sitting in your living room watching an idiot box telling you what to think of you. You're not putting yourself in situations to go explore the world and see that. You're not going to find out what the world, what's inside the world and everything that at least the mysteries or anything just from sitting there watching television or drinking beer. It was something that was incidental. So we, of course, weren't expecting to see anything like this. So that's not the alarming part. The alarming part was obviously this paramilitary organization that was involved with this. Um, you know, they were wearing military gear that was very similar to ours, a little bit more uh, high speed. It's just a fancy lingo of saying kind of more, you know, special operations type. And it was something that, you know, you as a Marine or somebody who's in a, a ground pounding operation or something with infantry, something where you know the type of gear. I mean, because we've studied our, our enemies, we studied our allied forces and what they wear. And this was definitely ours. It wasn't something that you'd see like Canada wearing or, you know, you know, um, the UK or anything right. like that. It certainly wasn't Russian. It was all American-made stuff. Yeah, it's important, I, was, I think, to make that uh, distinction. Like you said, it's it's not like it was pointing to one certain country. I mean, these were guys, were, were, could you tell these were, you know, guys of American descent? Could you, could you yes. tell that they're from the United States? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the way they talk is like you and I, you know, perfect English. Even the um, lingo they were using was very similar to what we use in the Marine Corps. Mm. So I suspicion that these guys um, were uniformed military at one point and either got an offer, uh, you know, to partake in operations, not specifically this. Uh, they may have not expected it, but mm. obviously, you know, they pay them pretty good money to do this. You know, look at the kind of technology that they have behind these operations. And I've uh, so a couple things. It's perfect cover, realistically speaking, because let's say you come out to Colorado, wherever you're at, and uh, you're out hiking somewhere, and you see this unfold. You see like a craft out in the distance, and you see this military operation. It's as outrageous as it sounds, and I agree with that. I mean, it definitely does sound outrageous, but what I'm stating is the experience and this, of what I witnessed that day. You know, if you were to see this in operation, and you were to alert the military, alert the law enforcement, uh, whether it's federal, state, local, whatever it is, they're going to believe you. No, no, for sure not. No, they're, no, they're going to look at you like they're you're crazy, you probably laugh. Yeah. Go check yourself in the psych ward, buddy. It's pretty much what they'll tell you, you know. Yeah. And the, one of the disappointing things is, you know, when I had my camera and I took video and pictures of this um, right on top of that slope, you know, it was kind of like, you know what, I got something. That I'm going to share with the public or, you know, however, just to say, hey, look, I'm not crazy here. But the fact that five of my other Marines were, were standing next to me and observing as well as I don't want to say victim, but it's just. We were at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sure. And what we experienced was definitely the 
prime example of, of that wrong place, wrong time kind of analogy. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up a couple so, of those things because you talk about the camera, right? You're trying to take some pictures. Now at the yep. at the end, they took all that stuff from you, right? They 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 basically confiscated all of your evidence that you were trying to gather. And I don't know who it was because like I said, you know, when we end up docking in Subic Bay and we had a couple of days of liberty there, uh, came back the first night and I saw my camera on the rack. And it had the uh, memory card out of it. You know, it's a pretty big size memory card, especially for a camera like that. It's kind of cheap, but I mean, it did good quality. I mean, there's a lot of pictures I took on there that I can't get back, and it's just even related to this issue. Right. But um, and the fact that the camera was compromised because I had two batteries. You know, so they took that battery out. I had another battery in my locker, and I popped it in, and it wouldn't even turn on. Mm. So um, I've had people that you know I've talked to that if I still had that camera. They may have been able to get that data off of there somehow. And, um, but as far as it was pretty disappointing to see that because obviously they at some point scrapped everybody's stuff. The Marines that were with me had all their cell phones missing at that point, too. And I didn't take my cell phone with me, I left that back in Japan in Okinawa. Okay, you know, gotcha. there's no need for me to take a cell phone because you're not going to get service out there, you know, because I only got service stateside. So, something as soon as I touched back down uh, California. Or even Alaska, for that matter, I could just you know call my folks. Hey, I'm back stateside, or you know, girlfriend right. at a time. Right. But um, you know, I had to have like these phone cards that you could use um, at least on base or out uh, in Japan. Um, it's like a SoftBank card or something. And then um, obviously they had ships on. Um, you can buy like credits or like through the ship store to get like phone cards to also use on the ship. Right. Um, to also call home too. But, you know, the whole time during this operation, they actually had everything blocked out for a couple of weeks. So we couldn't even call home or tell anybody what was going on at that point. And then especially with this event happening. So I wish I still had that camera. And, and what I had mentioned to people in the conferences, obviously that footage is still out there. Somebody's got it, right. whether it's locked in the mm -hmm. archive or something like that. And if it ends up getting to a point where, Either these people, the operation that we end up witnessing come forward, which I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping a lot of people do. And that's kind of more of why I started doing this, you know, after one uh, law was passed to allow us that we're under any kind of non-disclosure agreement to come forward and, and speak about it. Because uh, the, the reference I make all the time is like, you know, yeah, marijuana is legal for the most part. But how many people are still sitting in prison for that? Right. Yeah. You know, intent to distribute, sell things like that. It's a very hefty felony. And they're still in prison for it. And whether the justice system says, you know what, it's just easier, or they're just going to play, yes, it was illegal at the time, you're still paying for your actions. I'm not going to subject myself to being in prison for the rest of my life because of talking about something like this that happened. So I had to wait for the right time and the right uh, right place to do that. And fortunately enough, after I heard about that, that's when I basically contacted Stephen Greer and uh, um, told him my testimony, told him what was up. And, you know, the thing with him is it's something that, He's heard multiple times from, you know, this is what he told me and he's told the rest of the world for years, you know, because I've before I got into what I'm doing now, I've went back in the past and kind of tried to research what he's been talking about, see if there's any kind of correlation. And there is, which is good, because there's some stuff that I spoke about that corroborate other people's testimonies from the past. And it can, it's going to continue down the line, too. There's going to be people in the, uh, years from now, maybe months from now, hmm. they're going to talk about the same thing I've talked about encountering. Actually, now, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So now, um, you know, the interesting thing, too, uh, from when I spoke on that conference on that Saturday, at least for the disclosure project, um, the two day event and then the press clubs, two different things. 
Saturday, I end up doing my speech. And, uh, you know, I was also acting as a security rule for Dr. Greer. We also had another guy present that was helping um, to facilitate that as well when I would be basically doing what I'm doing now. Um, Dr. Greer ended up getting a message from a high-level source that's still in the, um, still within these projects. I'm not going to disclose where he works. I met this person, but we didn't talk about what, uh, what I'm about to tell you. Hmm. I saw the message that he had sent Dr. Greer stating that he wasn't expecting to come out and reveal this information, but he didn't want to leave me hanging. That's what he said in his message. And it was a long novel, like he wrote a Bible or something. And what he was explaining was what they were doing in this operation. He told me I was wrong about one thing. So those con shipping containers, the things look like shipping containers, they had a cylinder on the front. And I suspected that to be an oxygen supply or um, vacuum, you know, to seal up drugs, because that's how a lot of these guys try to do it, and they get with very sophisticated stuff. But if you're running this kind of technology, then this is something that's going to help suit that, because obviously, if you're flying something that goes in excess of 5,000 miles an hour, probably mm -hmm. faster than that, um, you're not going to relatively need to keep those things as fresh as if you're trying to transfer them through a ship or, you know, like a, a vessel of some sort, you know, you're, you can just go from one point to the other pretty quickly. But um, what he had told me what I was wrong about is it wasn't drugs. He said it was humans. Wow. Now, this guy has participated in these operations personally. And he explained why they did it, how they do it. They use natural disasters um, as a way to scoop people up. They pretend to be a humanitarian force, you know, like um, American military. And they'll build trust in the people because now they're getting help. But then also they lure them into these uh, containers and they ship them out to, you know, um, he talked about underground installations. That's kind of the biggest thing. And now people mm. are discovering, um, especially Dr. Greer's list that he put out of at least some of the black sites that are just in the United States. And there are some throughout the world that people have personally worked on that are on our team. And uh, so they transform underground. And he says they use them for all sorts of experiments, mainly medical experimentation, among other things. And he says a majority of them die. Mm. You know, so the fact that I go from thinking it's drug smuggling and they have weapons because I recognize the weapon cases all the way to this point of human trafficking. That's very alarming. It's a big and jump for sure. Because when you're there and you, you discover this, you know, lack of a better term, this spinning UFO, right? You, you see this, you and your men see this and you think, okay, what the heck is going on here? And as you go investigate, I guess that's when, you know, these... I hate to use the term mercenary, but like mercenary type guys kind of held you guys at gunpoint. And But you're still noticing different things around you. You're yeah. noticing how big this craft was. You're noticing this ventilation. You're noticing that it kind of looks man-made, but it also looks alien. And, and I guess that's what kind of gave you the impression, well, there's some type of operation going on here. And the ventilation, I guess, would is what made you think about drug smuggling. But you're told by a high-level operative who, of course, you can't name at this point, that it's actually human trafficking, that this was a human trafficking operation and it's not the first one and it's not the last one. Yeah, and, you know, the last one he participated on directly was in 2004 in Chihuahua, Mexico. Wow. He's very, very vivid in detail with that. Um, you know, he talked about the same kind of nature, how they scooped up the people, but they said that the only difference was this time. So it confirmed a couple things, too, that these platforms may be weaponized. Because they had uh, two FA-18s that were scrambled to intercept what they were doing. Because hmm. you know, it got up on radar. I mean, I don't know, you know the specifics of that. But um, 
they end up taking one of the planes down somehow. Mm. And I don't know what type of weapon they would use. I mean, I would assume the way he said it is it turned the plane off and the plane crashed. So something that's electromagnetic, something like an EMP um, is what I would estimate that he was talking about. Of course, he ain't going to go into much detail about that because then if he's traced back to what he's doing, by the way, this person's trying to come out publicly to him and about 30 other people. But the problem is, is now that the government acknowledges this as being an issue. So what these people are doing, they want to lose their pensions. They don't want to have any kind of legal prosecution against them. Because what a lot of the people don't understand is that the government does not oversee this. We're talking about the uh, presidential oversight, congressional oversight. Uh, Nobody knows about it. So the fact that nobody knows about it means that it's constitutionally illegal. So if they're bound by rules that are essentially uh, with these operations, then it means that those um, it's null and void because nobody knows about it. So what they're worried about also, um, you know, imminent danger for speaking out against this too, is something they're more, they're more worried about because obviously how deep they go. So completely understandable because I felt the same way for almost 14 years until I was able to uh, come and talk about this openly um, just because now that the government uh, with the Pentagon, among other people, I've got protections in place, um, which is great. And what I'm also encouraging other whistleblowers to come forward. If you guys have seen anything and you guys have witnessed anything firsthand, and I say firsthand because that's going to have a lot more credible evidence mm-hmm. and you have witnesses. Um, I have witnesses with me, of course, you know, uh, five other Marines. And uh, one of them was only uh, well enough to respond to say that, that he wasn't going to come forward. It's not worth uh, the risk of his life and his family, his military career, bottom line, which is fine because what it does is it confirms what I'm talking about to be true because we've had uh, the government officials try to get these guys to come forward as well as Dr. Greer. And this was the response that he had. Yeah, exactly. So it confirms things to a degree without directly confirming it. Yeah, no, you're and, right about that. And it's important that, you know, these, these other guys or just, you know, any type of person who's involved with operations like this would be able to feel comfortable enough to come out and talk about these things. I mean, just recently you have, Marco Rubio, Senator Mark Rubio from from Florida, where 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 I am, just talking last night as we record this, and he's talking about how him and Senator Gillibrand are, you know, have talked to a lot of these whistleblowers, have talked to a lot of people who are kind of staying under wraps, but have talked to them behind the scenes, and you know, Mark Rubio said that a lot of them, like yourself, are credible. He mentions, you know, they were talking about David Grush a little bit, you know, he said a lot of these whistleblowers are very credible. What they're telling us about you know, non-human intelligence and these government, or not government, but private companies are yeah. using behind the scenes that essentially now they're saying there's this six-month timeline, right? That Now yes. Senator Gillibrand mentioned that it was a six-month timeline where any type of private company like a Lockheed, like a Raytheon, would have six months essentially to the end of the year, to the end of 2023, to say, okay, this is what we have. And if they don't, I guess there's some type of repercussions. So... Can so I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To kind of talk to you about uh, Marco Rubio, um, as far as him being the Republican senator in charge of the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, my contact within that group relayed my information to Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio knows my story. Okay. So um, I'm confident in that because now um, with the interview I had with Arrow, um, with all the people that actually got involved, it's I'm glad it actually reached the, the um, right people that needs to to investigate this. And now that there's been a sequence of people coming forward that are corroborating a lot of the same information, uh, similar to what I witnessed, they realize that there's a problem. So with this bill, this legislation that they put out recently, any of these companies that have any kind of non-human origin material, whether it's in tech crafts, whether it's technology of any kind of any kind of nature, excuse me, um, that one, they have kind of like a safe harboring thing where they're they're more than likely not going to get prosecuted by the legal system if they're compliant. And um, if they don't, then obviously the government is going to hammer these corporations and these people. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Of course, they're, they're going to try to, um, some companies, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that they're not going to be very adamant about wanting to hand up stuff that's making them a lot of money. Right, right. Okay. But this is where it comes into effect of having people like myself who have worked in these companies and uh, have witnessed these things and have access to them still. And they're all corroborating the same people. And as a matter of fact, these whistleblowers have named these specific people in charge. Hmm. So that's where it becomes where they can't hide because now they've got names. Now that now that, um, you know, you've heard the disclosure project, we've got over 100 attorneys right now that are trying to. Um, you know, do a civilian RICO, a lawsuit against these companies once they're named, because we have people in these companies that name key specific people running these operations. So if they're subpoenaed to court, and this also goes for whistleblowers too, uh, you know, if you, if you haven't came forward, um, they could potentially be subpoenaed too. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to testify under oath, just like I did, explaining, uh, you know, what we witnessed and why and what we think, you know, things like that. But it's more trying to get the, the facts out there. I'm glad you mentioned so, that, actually, Michael, because uh, I think some people don't know that you did testify under oath, right? And, yes, and, and in a confidential oh, yeah. type of setting, correct? 
Yes, uh, in a skiff. And here's the thing, you know, anybody who knows you like the Senate, Congress, uh, Pentagon, anybody who's trying to do an investigation, I mean, it's, it's perjury ultimately. Right. And even at a government level, it's five years in prison. I have a reputation uh, as an entrepreneur, and that's something that, you know, obviously, if I'm going to weigh something that's a big issue here compared to my personal life, I'm going to give up my personal life because this is a bigger issue here. I've had people try to approach me with book deals, um, trying to, you know, make money from this. I'm not trying to make money. What I'm trying to urge here is the government to understand that there's something that is going on here that is not right. People are dying from it. People have been murdered for it, and it needs to be resolved. The other thing is, too, this technology is going to help humanity in a very specific way. And I don't mean in a militaristic way, because that's not how it should be utilized. It should be something that, you know, you're self-sufficient to a degree. Hmm. And, you know, Dr. Rears mentioned the last century. That's very true. We could have had um, the documents that I personally have seen and stuff that I've um, ever since I've came forward and started researching more, trying to find the uh, to connect the dots, so to speak. It takes you down a pretty big rabbit hole, but what it boils down to is how much greed and corruption there is to keto type lip. It's not the ETs that they're worried about. It's the technologies. Because you you know, you have cars out there that have been running off the same technology since the 1800s. You have um, locomotives, the same thing. Aircraft, same thing. You have something that doesn't rely off of fuel, something that's self-sufficient, especially not having to pay public utilities. I mean, ultimately, it's going to end poverty very quick. Because now people are going to have access to clean water. They're going to have access to a lot of things that they normally wouldn't have because they have these devices. So this is what they don't want because the people who run this and, and you know the estimated industry net worth is around $700 trillion for oil, gas, coal, you know, everything like that. So if this technology got out, these guys would go bankrupt. And what so, they don't understand is in, in a deeper level, these guys own a lot of assets around the world. And they would, you know, they're very psychopathic people is the nice way of putting it. Hmm. They don't want to really go set control. They don't want to go bankrupt. They love the power. They love the influence they've got. Some of these people buying governments, you know, uh, we, we're hearing about George Soros buying off elected officials as well as uh, district attorneys. I mean, that's all proven facts. And people thought it was conspiracy a couple of years ago, yeah. but it's all coming to revelation. And this is the thing, you know, I, I encourage people to have a skeptical mind and to research into things because that's how you're going to find the truth. And the truth may be something that it, it might be refreshing. Okay, well, I'm, I'm being lied to and I know what the truth is. But some people are going to come to the realization that it's going to change their life like it has mine. And this is something, you know, is there risk to it? Yes, there is. There's a lot of risk to it. Uh, reputation being one for my businesses, things like that. The second of all, it's also my family's safety as well as my safety. Um, I've had helicopters flying and hovering over my house. I've had uh, my dad, for example, he had a helicopter hovering over his house. Boy. And uh, it's not something that they have a normal flight path over where we live, you know, at least where he lives and where I live. Where I live is kind of close to the airport here. There's not, they're not allowed to have any kind of uh, vehicles entering the airspace because there's planes flying over, you know. But yet I see a Blackhawk among other black helicopters flying around. They're hovering there, you know, and I wave at them, you know, hmm. but it's something I'm used to. Now, what, and I've, I've had some videos. I've taken of this. Um, I've had people at Arrow who said, if I if I witness this again, just send them the information because I'll investigate. It. So you're so, th this so you're saying that you actually have, I don't know, companies, entities, whatever we should call them, as far as you know, the the people behind these operations that they're actually trying to intimidate you and intimidate yes. your family to get to you as well. Yes, and you know, I laugh at this case, you know, because 
me, I know how much money that costs. And if they're going to spend millions of dollars to try to scare me, <laughs> wasting your money, suckers. I mean, that's just it. Keep wasting your money because it takes a lot of resources for that. And to pay people to do that, especially to fuel the helicopter, where they're flying it from, everything like that. So the fact that I'm keeping people up at night because of uh, telling the truth. Now, obviously, if this was bullshit, so to speak, they're not going to spend the resources for that. They're not going to care. But now that all of a sudden I came out uh, ever since my meetings with the Pentagon and things like that, and some other elected officials, by the way, are having the same thing happen to them. And that's where it gets interesting, because now they understand that what they're tracking on is something that is it, it is true, because why would they spend the resources to try to silence people or try to intimidate them? So they're going after elected officials, too. That's that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty big deal. I don't think anybody's heard that out in the public on the news or anything they, like they don't that. Call that. Because they don't want people to realistically know that. But it's just it's it's a case because they personally told me mm. as well as other people in the government who, you know, who are very high up there having the same thing happen when they get to this this issue and they start getting into the juicy parts and understanding the corruption involved with it, as well as the embezzlement of federal funds and things like that. Of course, they're going to try to silence people and try to scare the crap out of them any way that they can. What do you think you know, happens, Michael? What do you think happens? Let's just use a hypothetical. Six months from now, you know, we're at Christmas time. We're coming into the new year for 2024. And some of these companies haven't given up the goods, so to speak. Right. That mm-hmm. the six month timeline from now, that's, you know, the senator is the Senate Intelligence Committee has put on wanting to know about these technologies that they might or may or may not have. What happens if they don't give it up? Where, where, where are we on, say, January 15th? Uh, there's actually two things with this. One, there might be a false flag uh, distraction. I mean, ever since we came out with our stuff in D.C. and all these whistleblowers, because now we set the precedence. Now that we're having people come forward, you know, a couple, four or five a week, you know, um, we have information. Uh, some would like, like to remain anonymous because of the fact that they're still involved to a degree. Mm. Some of them are people like me who witnessed an incidental event and, you know, Sometimes in prison, your mind, it's something that, you know, has to be shared. And um, so there's two things that are going to happen. Either going to set a distraction like a false flag or something that's going to be all over the news and it's going to distract people. Then you also have people like me, David Grush, other whistleblowers are coming forward. And they're trying to keep that under lip, under wraps because of the other things that are going on. So something is going to happen. And um, my personal opinion of that. I think it should be the, the way that the government's doing it right now because people aren't going to get killed for it. You have a, a bad situation because you have people in these projects who don't know that they're illegal. They think they're doing the right thing. Hmm. It, you know, it's, it's um, how do I put it? It's like an indirect witness or something. You know, So somebody doesn't understand that the president, Congress, Senate, anybody of government cap, cabinet does not have any kind of oversight over this. And they think that they do. So, right. of course, they're abiding by the rules, you know, thinking that everything's legitimate in a constitutional sense when it isn't. <clears throat> I hope that these companies can come to a resolution with the government and say, hey, we're supposed to be on the same side here. You guys are supposed to help the government develop research and development, things like that. It's going to help us thrive as a, as a government, as a, as a country even. <clears throat> but this is where you get greed and corruption that come forward before any kind of morals. And that's the thing that's more frustrating about this because people want to hold on to their assets and, and their hundreds of millions of dollars that they're earning because of these covert programs or deep covert programs for yeah. that matter. So, because here's the thing, why would they waste their time trying to put legislation out? Right. If it's not real, the subject's not real, or it's just like got the giggle factor, so to speak, right? Because a little green man, mm-hmm. you know, what I what my experience was had nothing to do with ETs. 
had nothing to do with ETs. It had to do with a piece of technology and operations are using to, to use that technology to uh, run their programs and, and to do them in a covert way that's just, you know, a witness would be discredited because the fact of what it sounds outlandish. I agree with that. You know, I've had, uh, I, I, you know, around the social media, like I, I, I took a lot of my stuff down yeah. and deleted it because I don't want people contacting me. And, like people are finding me on LinkedIn. I don't care, but I just, I don't want people asking me, you know, like you got a lot of naysayers out there. And the thing is, there's two things that I've seen floating around. Well, it doesn't make sense. Well, yes, it doesn't make sense. I agree with that. Hmm. That's why I'm frustrated about this because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that we didn't go in there with, with comms. I didn't make the decision. That was somebody uh, more higher rank on their color made the decision that we didn't need comms. We're supposed to observe the area. And when the helo lands, that's when we're supposed to basically get on a bird and leave because we're sitting there supposed to provide overwatch, right? And 300 meters ain't far to trek, especially when you have a combat load and a weapon, and you know, you're in good shape as a Marine, mm-hmm. you know, so you can make it to that, that helo within a certain amount of time. They've got security on that bird as well, because they had 50 cows on each side and they have a tail if they have a tail gunner, but most of the time they have 50 cows on the side of those helicopters. And that's a weapon to provide, you know, superior firepower and to take any kind of threats up that need to, and they go a pretty long range. And it's something that's intimidating because if you're the opposition, you get hit with one of those. It's that's not a pretty sight. Ooh, no. So, but the fact is, is you know, we end up seeing something. And if we had communications, you're damn right, we'd have called it in. Right. And what would have happened, I don't know. And the, the, the other thing is too, I've had people um, at least in the comments, Reddit, all that kind of stuff. Why didn't they kill us? Well, that's the same question I've got too. I don't. Maybe these guys because they were at one point military, and I'm assuming this because the way that they carried themselves. It's very similar to what we would do, at least uh, military military guys in general, Army, uh, Navy, Marine Corps, you, you name it. So they may have morals. Right. They don't want to go against us who are just innocent people who just, you know, are trying to help people out and we stumble across this. And I'd hate to get shot and killed because I was doing my job, at least in the sense of trying to help people out. They might so have a soft spot, yeah. And, and, you know, if these guys ever come out, and talk about this operation. I hope they do. And the first question I'm going to ask them is, why did you let us live? Why did you let us go? You know, and it, as much as the event sounds outrageous, well, of course, they're probably going to let that uh, be the best of their ability to discredit, to say, yeah, you saw something that looked like a flying saucer out in Indonesia that had uh, trucks on the platform of a Harry military organization. Where does, that, where, where, does, where does that technology come from, Michael? Is this... I mean, is, is the accusation or maybe even the revelation that this technology is coming from reverse engineered alien spacecraft, right? Is, is that? Yeah. We had the ability to master anti-gravity control. That's what it's called, not anti-gravity. They call it gravity control. That's the technical term. Hmm. Since October 1954. 1954. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then so the Germans wow. in World War II, I mean, we had people that, you know, uh, Senator Warner's son, a lot of these other people, even he, uh, General Patton, he knew General Patton. And they talked about this to him. He was kind of more of a witness of knowing what his dad was doing, hmm. as well as uh, some other people who even worked in the uh, MAGIC, which is a majority intelligence committee that was around this issue. Um, he talked to these people. And he said that the Germans had stuff that they mastered. They didn't master it completely, but obviously you have Operation Paperclip, 
which a lot of these scientists, these brilliant minds that the Nazis occupied and took, and we put it into our government to help them, uh, you know, help us with that technology too. And of course, it didn't go to the conventional government. It went to this deep black side of it. And that's how they were able to do it. So, you know, reverse engineer technology. I mean, and here's the thing, you're going to hear more, you're going to have more people come forward who are directly involved with these, with these projects of reverse engineered technology. You know, and the funny thing is Bob Lazar was one of the first people that blew the lid on this mm. and he was sworn in secrecy. I mean, his life has been held. This is the thing I want to establish to people. We don't get famous for this and we don't get a, a, a movie deals and we don't get book deals. Our lives become hell. I'm getting followed. I'm, you know, I got, I got, you know, I, I'm armed, you know, I, I, I have, I build my own weapons, you know, things like that. I like to, I like to shoot. That's kind of my thing. And, um, I've also got a private security company. that's almost like a private military for me. Hmm. You know, so these guys are trained or former law enforcement, former military, former special operations, even. So I feel safe. The fact that I've got these guys on my side, if I need to. Um, but the thing is, is our lives don't become glamorous over this kind of stuff. And it's like, people think that that's the case and it's not. Bob Lazar had a hell of a life when he came out with this stuff. A lot of people try to discredit, you know, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to have people try to discredit me. Go for it. At the end of the day, I don't care what your opinions are. I'm not trying to convince the public that this is real. I'm trying to convince the government that this is real and that multiple people along myself or, um, have made a lot of enough uh, ruckus here, loud noises, for them to be interested and to take what we're doing seriously. That's what I care about most. I don't care if somebody's lives in their basement, who's never seen anything like this, you know, it's just how it is. You know, you're going to have naysayers in what you do. It doesn't matter what it is. I've been a naysayers about my whole life. You know, yeah. I'm used to that, but it just, it, it forces you to be in that pressure and it gets you to actually understand what's worth and what isn't. You know, I always uh, describe him to my sales department here, you know, because um, they hear it sometimes too, you know, from customers or people are trying to call. And it's like, if you're lying out in the past, you're looking for that, that hunt, right? You're trying to get that prize, get that that elk or whatever, or that the antelope, that big kill. You're gonna worry about the little flies buzzing up around you. Mm. You're gonna focus on what really matters, and that's what we're doing. You know, Dr. Greer's had a hell of a time with with uh, you know, with the stuff that he sold. Now, here's the thing that people need to understand about Dr. Greer. Dr. Greer is only relaying information from what people have told him, mm. and in tune, it has made him aware. And it's made him research, but most of the time, it's everybody coming who knows about something is coming to him to tell him because he's in a safe spot. He has never been in the military. He's never been in the government capacity. He's not under any kind of any NDAs. He has no legal bound whatsoever to keep a tight lid on this. These other people, such as myself, among others, we don't have that luxury sometimes. Now we do because of this law, but before then it wasn't the case. So he's somebody who's relaying information of what he hears from people. And he, he has a very strict vetting process of credibility, right? Because obviously there's going to be people who want, unfortunately they want to be famous and I don't understand why, but there's people out there who do, and they will go through the lengths to do it. And I feel sorry for them, but at the same point, He's got a very, very strict vetting process to allow the right type of people to come forward who actually have firsthand experience, who can prove that they were there, who have other people mainly also that can corroborate the same thing. So it's not like you just take anybody who says they saw something because that's what Arrow's interpretation right. was. When I did the interview with Arrow. And you have, um, right? You've spoken to Dr. Sean uh, Kirkpatrick from Arrow. Yes, I did. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, it was it was it was nerve wracking because, you know, I got these government officials here. They're listening to me and tell my thing. You know, it sounds outrageous. I agree 100 percent with that statement. I've heard this. I've seen it all over uh, social media and uh, Reddit and all that. You know, yeah. I agree. It does sound outrageous. Did they take you seriously? At, at, they at did. Home? I was told this, you know, I'm not going to go specifics with it because obviously I signed NDAs at the Pentagon about this. Um, but the one thing I will tell you is one of them, one of the government officials that accompanied me there said the other 25 people that came before me, they didn't take it serious. It's like somebody saw something in military installation in the sky or something. Okay. When they heard my testimony, they were taking notes and writing everything down. And the main thing that they were concerned about was not the craft because that was the lightest. I agree with them and that. It was this paramilitary organization. They wanted mm. to know who they were. And you guess what? They want to know who they are, and I want to know who they are. And I think the public now knows wants to know who they are because now you're going to hear some people that are going to corroborate what I'm talking about, but in a different fashion from either uh, incidental witness such as myself or people who have actually worked in these programs directly. That's going to be the thing that's going to set this ablaze. Um, one thing I want to touch on, too, is, you know, there, there was a whistleblower that Dr. Grimm um, interviewed like a long time ago. I didn't know the specifics of it. His name is Joshua. He was a Marine, too. He was down in South America and he stumbled upon, you know, he was a surface to air missile operator. I don't know what the MOS on that is specifically, but he was manning the uh, stingers. Right. Okay. So they're anti-air. They pick up a heat signature. You launch a missile and take some aircraft. Very cool thing. Yeah. But um, they end up coming across a uh, crash retrieval, okay? And um, so he described the craft and the noise that it made. Well, that yes, if they're reverse engineered technology, they're going to have some similarities, meaning the propulsion systems are very similar. Right. So, of course, they're going to have an audible hum. The way I described it was very similar to what this Joshua guy described it, which was like a unplugging a guitar amp because it's exactly what it sounds like. It's not the same pitch, but if you were to – if I was to hear that noise again, I could tell you it's one of these things. I could tell you for a fact. And it's weird because we were about 150 meters away from this craft, and you could hear it then. But over the slope or anything like that, you couldn't hear it. Even when it was going up in the air and it took off, you didn't hear anything. You just heard the hum, and that was it. The other thing you talked about was a paramilitary organization that had black camis, that had black gear, all that kind of stuff. Some other people I've talked to who know something about this say that the reason why they wear all black is because they do not want to be identified. Hmm. It's very generic thing to wear all black. Law enforcement agencies do it for a reason too, because they don't want to be identified. Military um, is a little bit different because obviously you want to be identified when you're in an AO with other friendlies. Right. It's the way they can look through and see, okay, these guys are our guys. These guys obviously are not wearing military style, um, you know, clothing that would be very uniform, which would signal a military force. So these guys have uniformity to a degree, but it's not in a way that it should be utilized. So that's the other thing. The other thing is, is um, he mentioned an Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. Okay, that's the guy that I saw too. It might not be the same guy because his happened in the 90s, I believe. It might happen in 2009. Mine didn't have a name tag on it. He would not identify himself. But what I was also told is that some of these guys, some of these operators, have the ability to get these uniforms and perceive themselves as military officials mm. in order to extract information from people. Wow. Some of them, you know, and of course this guy pulls rank because he's a lieutenant colonel pretty high up there as a, as a military officer. 
And as a Marine, you're like, oh, crap, you know, this is this big deal. But, you know, that's a way that they can order that information out of you. Or most of the time what I was told is that they befriend you, try to be buddy-buddy with you and see what you know. Or they play dumb and try to, you know, act like they don't, excuse me, they act like they don't know anything so they can extract the information to see what you do know and try to mislead you that way. So those are my theories. I can't confirm it, but this Joshua guy said the same thing. Now, the thing I will tell you is that screams one word, corroboration. Because mm. not the first time that this has been, I talked about it as well. There's going to be other people who are going to talk about it too. And they're going to probably say the same thing. Yeah, this other guy said there were black camis and this and that. Well, right. yeah, that's how they operate. You know, um, the other thing I want to touch on, I've seen where how how could Marines surrender their weapons? Um, first of all, you have people who already have the drop on you. Let's say you get pulled over by a police officer. And here's the other thing, too. Not everybody's got the same interaction with police, right? For myself, I get pulled over. It's usually always a good interaction, right? Because, yeah, I, I was speeding officer. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Some guys have violent past violence against police officers. Do you think they're greeted as nice? Do you think they have a gun dropped on them? These cops will pull people over with guns. I've seen it happen because they're known to be violent. Okay. And if you, and I've seen a lot of body cam footage of this. If you move in a way that makes them uncomfortable and they have a gun pointed at you, are you going to do anything to chance them shooting you? Hmm. I'm not. Right. And guess what? When these guys, when it's because the way that they enveloped us was from, you know, from the left and from the right was not directly in the middle. And the reason being is because they had, interlocking fields of fire on us we were in a in a funnel so to speak and they were on the sides almost like a flame not directly but kind of more diagonal which means they could have killed all of us if they, just a couple guys could have done it and this was your experience in the philippines when you came down and you saw the craft there they, this, this was in indonesia. The kind of, everybody's, indonesia okay yeah. yeah everybody's getting because the original operation uh, as far as uh, humanitarian assistance was in the philippines first Gotcha. And our ship, which was the USS Denver, was routed all the way to the western side of Indonesia. So a lot of people are getting confused. This was Indonesia. Um, we just happened to do – we didn't even partake in any of the operation in, in Operation Katana in the Philippines. We didn't do any of that because our ship was immediately routed to the western side after that earthquake hit. But, you know, I tell everybody, there's a lot of, you know, armchair quarterbacks, right? They're going to say, oh, well, you know, we're known for fighting. Yes, but here's the thing. If we would have done something – to signal a firefight, first of all, there's eight guys that we saw. When we saw these trucks going onto this platform, there was four guys in every single truck. I'm assuming this because I only saw one of them unloading, and I didn't see specifically how they did, but I saw the doors open, and everybody got out, and there's four guys that dressed the same, same exact way on this platform. Who's to know that there's not 30 or 40 other guys like that there? Right. There's six of us. Do you think we have a chance against this, especially with these guys highly trained as much as, much as they are? Right. It's it's it's, 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 it's not a John Wick movie. Yet. <laughs> no, it's not. People need to understand right. that, that these it's a movie for a reason. It's entertainment. It's not real life. People think, you know, because they watch these movies or play video games, they think that they, they have the ability to understand how this works. There's a lot of people in the military who think that that's how it works, and they end up going to first combat deployment and realize that it's not how it works. Hmm. You know, so... Me, I'm thankful because guess what? I'm back here. I'm alive. Right. I got to see my family after that. My Marines also got to see their family too. It wasn't my call that we wouldn't engage because obviously there was somebody who was a higher rank than me that was there. And um, he was the one that made the call. And this guy was a um, this guy was in Fallujah during Iraq. Hmm. They had the um, 
outnumbered too, but it's a different scenario because here's the thing. In the jungle, there's no cover to hide behind, especially the opening that we were at. If we were to try to bank off, these guys already have the drop on us. They're just going to engage us. They're going to take chances because guess what? In a conventional sense, we would have done the same thing if it was an enemy force that we were trying to occupy. You know, so there's no conce there's concealment because you can hide through things. But guess what? The concealment's vegetation. It's not bulletproof. So right. there is no immediate tactical advantage that we had at all with these guys. Right. So you they already had. Yeah, we had our weapons down. Right. Because we're sitting there walking up to this thing. It's not like we're at the at the low ready. Even we're sitting there like this. And these guys have already had their weapons on us, and you hear them flip them off safe. Hmm. So you did what you had I to mean, do to, to stay safe. Well, I'm here. You know, exactly. I'm not Swiss cheese. Exactly. You know, and that's, and that's the thing that people need to understand. So you put yourself in a situation, because I guarantee, if you were in that situation, they, they would have done the same thing that we did. Yep. Let me ask you We're this, Michael. Yeah. What is your best guess, or even maybe your knowledge of it? Where is this? coming from as far as the the companies or the private companies that are doing these things is it you know the lockheed martins even their division of skunk works is it raytheon i mean who's using this technology for these purposes when it comes to human trafficking or abductions i have no idea hmm. i am um, i have no knowledge of, of who it could possibly be hmm. i don't know all i know is that they're well-funded they're well-trained um they can put, they're above the law. They have, you know, they have endless amounts of uh, resources to find people um, because obviously we were, they knew everything about us. They still do. They're potentially still involved because I'm having these black helicopters flying over my house, hovering over my dad's house, scaring our, you know, scaring our dogs, scaring our cats, <laughs> you know, hmm. like, there's, you know, this is the thing. It's like, you know, I was told because I brought this up, and uh, at least their government official. And he says, next time record it because then the Pentagon's going to investigate this. Wow. So they're, they know, um, and because we're not the first one to ever talk about this, you know, as far as being followed and having helicopters. But I just think in, in, a, in a money sense, I think it's hilarious because they're spending millions of dollars to try to scare us with a helicopter hovering right there. Right. And when it goes, it's just wait, yeah, waste so your money. <laughs> Keep wasting your money. Now, if it's the taxpayer's money, that's a different story. Right. Because that's where the accountability from the government's going to come come to fruition and hopefully get this in check. Because it's, you know, and I'm thankful so far that this has been the extent of it. Because before then, the, the way they operate is in secrecy. They master the, the dark world, so to speak, the secret world, right? So anything that anybody brings up, they master that. But when things are brought into light, it puts me in a spotlight. Because now if anything does happen, if I murder or die or anything mysterious, by the way, for a record, I don't feel like harming myself. Hmm. I'm not going to kill myself, right? And I even said this to the government officials and people that I interviewed, or interviewed me, I should say, um, to let them know that I am in a right, right uh, state of mind. Well, I don't feel like taking my life. So if anything happens in that nature, guess what? It puts a red flag up to say, well, how did, how did this happen? Well, we hope that doesn't happen for sure. And I know um, <laughs> we hope so. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, 
Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I know I don't want to take up all of your day here today, Michael, so I'll get you out of here pretty soon, but I, w- I want to make a leap here, and maybe this is, maybe it's too far of a leap, but I can't help but to think we were talking about just going back to the human trafficking aspect, putting them, you know, what, what you were told, which was be, people being put into this craft that you saw back in 2009. Two questions, actually. Number one, how long has that been going on? And number two, are these alien abductions, are these classic alien abductions that we hear about that are being blamed on, you know, an alien race like the Greys, so to speak, but it's actually happening through these private companies. So I'm glad you actually asked that because this is part of that false narrative. There are people in our team who are witnesses to working on programs and uh, underground military installations who, um, now fun record here, just kind of relating to this. One of my employees actually has land south of here, actually recently acquired some land down south as well. Um, and And this was in the 90s where they bought it. And they had they had noticed that their cattle cattle was being mutilated. Oh, and they were very frustrated with it. But what they started noticing were these black helicopters, and they said they were silent. You know, so they they have they don't think they took video of this, but all their family saw this. They see the helicopters. So their their interpretation because at that time they're thinking that they can grow marijuana or they're trying to look for grow operations out here. But here's the thing: we're very high altitude, so it's not really ideal. You know, so it's a little harder to grow things, but especially in a larger capacity, because, yeah, you can fly a helicopter over and, you know, they DEA knows what to look for. Mm-hmm. So it's not DEA, not only that, but they're marked helicopters. They have to have the uh, numbers on their tails to signify who they are when they're calling through, going through air traffic and things like that, especially the FAA. Uh, apparently, these guys don't do that. So um, what one what some of the people on our team had told Dr. Greer, and he's relayed this information to us, is that. They use these cattle mutilations to harvest the DNA of the most sensitive parts of the animal that they use as more of like a suspension tool so they can genetically grow these, grow this flesh, right? It's synthetic to a degree. And they make them into these, what are called program life. This is what the witnesses who, who told us because they worked on these programs. They said that they use these animal parts to grow the flesh, to put over these, like a drone of some sort that is mechanically they don't move very smooth They move like a robot and they use these to scare people. And there's two types that come to find out because I had asked Dr. Greer this, there's two types. They have the ones that look like grace and they have ones that look like reptiloids hmm. or the reptilians that people see. So there's two different types that they're making. And they've been making this since the sixties from what one of his top guys in that wow. project project. I don't know if they're still alive or whatnot, but he has all the documentation and everything that, can prove what they're talking about. He talked about the facilities of where they manufacture that, and especially in Colorado, there's one that's famous that has a bunch of conspiracy theories around it. That's Dulce, New Mexico. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's and where this, where my employee's um, family lives is not too far from there. Hmm. So it does kind of make some sense because the deeper you go down south, you start seeing a lot of weird stuff. There's a landowner in New Mexico that's close also to Dulce who had night scopes, cameras, night vision, everything. And he actually caught these guys doing that with these helicopters, with this military paramilitary organization going and killing his cattle, harvesting the material and flying off. 
They do it so quick because it's a, it's an operation they rehearse. Just like we do for operations in the military, we rehearse using terrain models, figure out who's going to do what. We do rehearsals as well. And these guys obviously train the same way because it's something that's just very sped up, very fast, very precise, just kind of like how they do with what we saw in 2009. So, um, like I said, the false flag is a thing. And the, the new thing that they're trying to do, and this is why you see it so much in the news, is the alien threat. There's no alien threat. And if there is, we shouldn't be shooting their stuff down right. like we have been for the 40s. You know, you you hit somebody that you don't want to hit and they have the ability to do basically what God can do because they're so advanced, hundreds, you know, thousands to millions of years advanced compared to us. Why the hell would you want to do that? It's just foolish. And we have we have the technology to at least the, the, the legal secret government's got the technology to do that. But at the same time, you know, they're not the ones directly paying for it. It's us as a species. It's us as a planet that's having to pay for that. So now, um, conveniently, too, I want to bring up the whole crash landing that happened in Vegas. That's all over the news. Right. The recent one. That's right. That that happened a month prior to our event. Then all of a sudden, everybody found out what we were doing, and they started rushing these, these, uh, these events, just like David Rush did. Interesting. uh, Yeah. Yeah, the timing of that. The caveat on David Grush, um, what he's saying is legit. It's secondhand on his experience, though. He's only hearing it because he was a high-up intelligence officer for the Pentagon. And he's hearing it from people that he was in charge of that had access to these programs. So it's not like he saw these directly. He's just compiled information of people that were working under him to come to the conclusion that they had ET craft, uh, whether it was intact or not intact, in their possession. And he talked about the facilities, where they're at, the projects that are associated with them to keep people, everything. So what he's talking about is the truth. I don't agree with what he's doing personally, trying to say that ETs have killed people and things like that, because that's the narrative. Now you're going to see if he gets his History Channel special, whatever it is, you're going to know what side of the point he's on with that. Anything with profit is a red flag with this. And that's what people are trying to do. And people who do this for profit, they're they're paid off to a degree because they're being fed misinformation or trying to go along with that narrative. Us, we're not doing that. What we want is this to be out in the public eye. We want the government to oversee these these projects, these corporations or whoever is doing it, and to put a lid on some of the things that don't need to exist, such as a corruption, such as the paramilitary organization running guns, drugs, and humans. That's more of our concern at this point. That's a bigger, bigger fish. I've had people try to approach me for book deals, things like that. I've all told them to go take a hike, just like interviews from mainstream media. I'm not gonna, I would refuse to do that because I've seen what they did with COVID, I was security for the America's frontline doctors who blew the whistle directly to the president of the United States, President Trump at the time, talking about how it was not as severe as, um, as what the media and these people who were bought or had stock into the, um, you know, the vaccines, right? First of all, the military was the one who made the vaccines. It wasn't Pfizer. It wasn't Moderna. It was anything like that. All they did was basically pay them to put their labels onto their stuff hmm. and utilize it in that sense. And that came out recently, by the way. That's even something that uh, RFK talked about. Right. Now he's making headlines. And what he is stating is stuff that, again, other people have told him, but they proved it to him. So the America's frontline doctors were being, you know, their medical licenses are being revoked because they were going against the narrative. Their lives are being ruined. They weren't being taken as serious because all their conspiracy theorists to say this. Well, all of a sudden, two, fast forward two, three years later, everything that they talked about is true. And there is people getting screwed up from this. 
Yeah, you and, and this is the thing too. Always follow the money. Hmm. Everybody who made a COVID diagnosis or diagnosis on a person, they were paid in excess of sixteen to thirty thousand dollars to tell somebody they got COVID. That doesn't seem like a red flag because that seems like a red flag to me. And there's, I guess, you come across some of that even too with, you know, this this, this technology that we're talking about. Yes. You know, they kind of. It's exactly right. And it, so it's a similar animal, but it's yeah. in a different type of industry. And that's the thing is when you start seeing the similarities of how things are conducted, you start to piece them together and start seeing the corruption at times. And that's what I encourage people to do. Be skeptical on, on what you're being told. And I'm glad people are skeptical with mine because here's the thing. My story has not changed. It's not going to change because my simple uh, nature to do with this is I'm telling what happened. That's it. That day that I came across this incident, all I'm doing is telling people what happened. That's it. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, that simple. Whether, whether they believe me or not, that's up to them. But I encourage people to look into this because you're going to start seeing other people come forward who have similar experiences and maybe have knowledge more on a deeper level than I do. You know, I was I was infantry at that point. So, you know, um, needless to say, there's not a lot about the subject. Now, to tell you the, the other aspect of that is I was completely um, – I didn't believe in that stuff. I didn't think alien, you know, extraterrestrials and, and reverse engineered craft or anything like that exist. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you if you had any predisposed ideas. I did. You, I, you know, I was the stubborn person said that never existed. Oh yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. I had people try to, you know, say talk about this and say, oh no, that's that's insane. That doesn't exist. Are you kidding me? When I saw it that day, it confirmed two things. It confirmed that one, we have that technology, and two, obviously, we got it from something to reverse engineer. Right. So it completely changed my life into a degree where now I, I now because of that event was like a catalyst to create more of an open mind for me. Because here's the thing, people who think that they know everything, they don't. Hmm. And you're foolish to think you know everything in this world because here's the thing, we're still discovering animals in this on this planet that we've never seen. Even yeah. the deep oceans. You know what I mean? So it's we, we don't know anything. We only know a percentage. And it's the same thing. You, you're you go. You're taught in life to go to school, go to college, get in debt, and get a house, get married, retire, and that's it. They don't teach you how to make money for yourself. Like I had to learn the hard way. They don't teach you how to have the mindset to do that. They don't teach you what hard work ethic is. They want people to be indoctrinated. In this. this is what this is what this current world is doing. And unfortunately, the narrative is trying to indoctrinate people to have fear on this subject which there shouldn't be any fear about this. There should be people understanding that there is a foul work being done here to keep a tight lid on the technology, not so the ETs, but just the technology in general. So when the, people start to realize that. Like the classic grays that we see, right? And people talk about these abduction scenarios and they maybe they go through some type of regression therapy. We've heard a lot of those stories over the years, over the decades. Mm -hmm. And they, they all have the same description, right? You know, the elongated face, the big eyes, the slits for nose. These Are these actual grades that they're coming across then? Or are these actual, these are just these robotic droids that are being manufactured? Uh, my per, I mean, here's the thing. Anything could happen. Somebody could have legitimately came in contact with grades. Somebody could have. I don't, I don't know. But I'm willing to bet just because of what 90% of people are seeing these days is, is uh, man-made technology hmm. and it fits in line with what that is described because there's also another person on our team he never came out publicly and i think he's deceased um 
he was actually kind of a smaller guy. He worked in special operations and they used him aboard these ARVs and they dressed him up. And this is in the 60s, so they didn't have that kind of you know crazy technology they got now. Um, but they would use him to basically abduct key people and they would think he was an alien. And uh Whoa. Scared. Really? Yep. So these these tactics have been going on, like you said, since the sixties, as far as the scare since tactics, the, the technology, the trafficking. Yes. This stuff's been going on for, for 60 years. Well, the, from what I was told in brief, that this has been more of almost 100 years oh. of complete with this technology. But as far as the nefarious activities, I don't know. Um, I could estimate, but having people have came forward before I did who have talked about that and other people have come forward to corroborate each other's stories unknowingly, um, which suggests that it's around the 60s that they started doing this. Um, because at that point, you had the Cold War you know, um, Vietnam was right around the corner, but you had the Cold War at that point. So obviously there's a lot of stuff, even the space race, Yeah. you know, people trying to get to the moon faster, things like that. You know, so there's a lot of things, there's a lot of variables that play into that. So obviously space was kind of the thing that everybody was obsessed with. So of course, if they start doing operations in space, they're definitely going to come across things. And maybe, you know, my speculation is that they use this to kind of silence people who are getting too close to it, just like they're doing now. And right. they're still trying to, and they will try to until this gets um, handled. And I'm really hoping that the government does this. And I, I'm glad that I'm seeing the measures take because we kind of had the thing, uh, the interpretation that, you know, maybe they'll turn a blind eye to it. Maybe they don't want to because of, of how outrageous it sounds. But the fact is, is too many of us making noise. Too many of us are making noise. And now whistleblowers are coming out of the woodworks. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. So anybody viewing this, if you have any information and you are involved firsthand and you can prove it, whether you have witness testimony from other people that corroborate what you're talking about that were there, kind of like how I had my Marines do the same thing. At least one of them was willing to text back that they weren't willing to come forward, but they knew exactly what we we're talking about. If they, anybody does that, um, I'll, I, what I can do is I can give my email to put in the thing. That way they can contact me and uh, I can get the ball rolling for them because I, I still keep in contact with these key people in the government and they're looking for more people to kind of help facilitate what they're trying to do. Sure. Would you like to give your email here or we can, I can tweet it out yeah, later. The best, the best email that I, I'll put my business email, but you can definitely have it in the description mm -hmm. is uh, Mike. M-I-K-E dot Valkyrie, I, Inc. And it's I spelled like I-Y or E-Y-I or E-Y-E, sorry. And it's I-N-C. So Valkyrie, I, Inc. at gmail.com. Okay. And so anybody who's in the position like yourself, who's still kind of like, man, I don't know if I should do this. You know, I don't know. I'm feeling unsure about my, my, my safety, my family's safety, my career. They can at least reach out to you and you can help them out get through the proper channels to, to say yes, what's and on their I'm chest and what they see. Um, because I, I mean, this needs to be dealt with. And, and I know there's people out there just like myself, you know, we've concealed it for years. I've concealed it for 14 years. Um, you know, of not being able to speak about it until the right time. Now I will say this, there is a right way to do this. And it's the way that we took, you saw the guy that went on discord who released information about NATO being involved in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Got documents he leaked. First of all, that is classified material. So even the fact that it may be illegal, it's still classified to a degree, and that's where they got you. 
And that's why you saw a FBI HRT raid his house and they should take him into custody. And he's probably going to be sent in prison for the rest of his life. Hmm. Unless there's people in the government, even if the next president comes in and pardons him or however that goes, there is a right way to do it. And it's the way that I did it among others is a way that it needs to be done. And it's the safest manner because you'll be in the system at that point. And then you also have the protections as a whistleblower that help keep you safe. Um, and it's, it's so far, like I said, the only thing I've had that's kind of crazy is just these black helicopters trying to intimidate me and uh, my dad, you know, but it's just, we kind of expected that some retaliation to a degree. So right. um, it's not perfect, but if you're willing to come out and put yourself in the spotlight of more of being public to put a bubble around you, um, this is the best way you can do it without having any kind of repercussions. If you were to sign a non-disclosure agreement, or if you're still amongst these programs or whatever it is, uh, reach out to me. I can get you in touch with the right people that you need to get in touch with. So that way you can contribute to the bigger cause here. And that's helping out humanity at the end of the day, helping out each other. That's what we're here to do as a species. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's a great way to say it, Michael. And I know you got to get going, so I'll get you out of here on this and thank you again for your time. We've had a lengthy discussion here. I really appreciate that. No, absolutely. But I, I got to ask you this because it's, it's been on my mind. When we talk about these, you know, these companies, these private entities, what is their end game? Is their end game to just continue the status quo, to keep the power, to keep the money, to keep the technology, keep doing the experiments that they're doing on people? Or is there something else at work here in the end? Well, you have money, which creates power and it also creates corruption. And I think these guys have had the grip on that concept for a number of years. And I think that they're not going to want to get away from that because these people are being paid very well with what they're doing. They're embezzling federal funds with these projects. They'll say that a B-2 stealth bomber costs $2 billion to make. Costs around $100 million, by the way. I have a good friend that actually built one of the, built a few of those hmm. um, when he was contracted with Northrop Gumman. And uh, he was actually one of, um, one of the key people to develop that plane. Hmm. He called it his baby. Guy's a pretty smart guy, ended up working with him for about a year. Um, but he described it as a whole and cost, you know, the cost of it. So he was, it was around you know, two billion, but come to find out it's a hundred million. <laughs> so they take these companies take the rest of that money, either pay themselves or they make things they're not supposed to make. And that's how they get, at least get the federal funds out of that. There's other things at play, but um, it's something I cannot confirm. Um, because I'm not, I'm not witness to that. It's only hearsay at that point. Um, but it's just skeptic. It's just being skeptical at that point. It's speculation. But um, I don't see these guys wanting to try to hand over the reins to this stuff because it's bringing it's a revenue generator. You know, um, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're if you're doing that kind of thing, why are you going to be so nice to hand everything over? Now that the buy-in that's going to be great is the fact that. The government's going to help these people out. They're not going to take their assets. They're not going to take their pensions. They're not going to punish them legally within the six months of them coming out. So post six months from now, we'll see what happens. Um, it's something that I'm anxious to see what's going to happen with that. And I'm hoping it's not going to go to the degree of having people mobilized to go do something about it because that's, that's, that's not what we want. We want the peaceful um, end game. Sure. Ideally. Do you think they would stage a fake invasion? And I, I, I mean, I just, I just got to put that out there. I mean, it's, I know some people they, wonder about that. They've been planning that since the fifties. <laughs> There's documents from science applications, international corporation talking about this called stagecraft. 
they talk about the PLFs and people dressed up as ETs using these uh, alien reproductions. In their own words, alien reproduction vehicles hmm. to stage abductions on people and to simulate a false flag or a false indication of warning, false INW is their specific term they used. And this has been something, even the documentation that is public, which people can look into, and I encourage you to do it. I'm not going to tell you where to look. I want people to actually use what they're born with up here and research, and you're going to find the truth. The first thing I'm going to tell you is to go vault.fbi.gov and look up some of the stuff that the FBI declassified. Hmm. There's proof right there. But the problem is, is people want somebody in a suit and tie to come onto a six o'clock television at night and tell them what's going on. We live in an age of being so comfortable and so lazy. And that's ultimately the reason why nothing's being done about this because, oh, somebody else has to do it. Well, it's not going to get done with that mentality. So you got people like me who are fed up with it. We're fed up with the corruption. We're fed up with stuff because it's not just this aspect. This is kind of like a staging area for corruption because this leaks to other facets because it's not even just a political corruption either, which there is, but it all ties into one thing with it, with corruption from greed from power and from money. So I encourage people to, to do your research. You're going to be better off that way. You know, I ever since I started doing this, <laughs> all I do is research. All I do is try to learn more and try to see, and, you know, try to, if I can help somebody out, if there's people who have witnessed similar things to what I witnessed that day and they have knowledge of, I'll help them out. I'll try to get them the right resources they need. I always encourage people to come out, talk about it. It's the only way we're going to make a difference is it, it's like, Back in the civil rights movement, right? You know, it didn't happen overnight, right? But enough people made enough noise to actually get stuff done, right? And that's what we're hoping for. It sure is, Michael. I've, I've, thank you so much for your time. And honestly, I, I wanted to say this to you actually at the, at the conference in DC, but everybody was going every which way. It was craziness there. So, but I wanted to say thank you to you and to everybody who was on the panel that day. I have, I'm hoping to get to speak with some of them as well um, for doing what you're doing. For, for being selfless in this, really, to put yourself out there knowing that, you know, you're going to go through some uncomfortable things and even your family will go through some uncomfortable things. Yeah. But you're trying to do the right thing. And so on behalf of everybody, really, who should who, who cares about this and should care about this, want to say thank you for doing what you're doing because, like you said, hopefully things continue to progress. You know, more attention comes on it and maybe we get to a, a good place with all this in, in the near future. Well, you know, and that's that's my intention with this is try to get, you know, try to help people at the end of the day. That's what I'm that's what I'm more concerned about. And I can put my uh, personal life aside for a bit and and try to help with this. Um, one thing I want to tell your viewers, too, um, besides doing a lot of research, look at it for yourself. Um, I'm going to be on Sean Ryan's show Thursday coming up. So whenever he decides to put that out after we do that uh, episode, because it's not just me, it's going to be Eric Heckard, who is the one that worked in the South Pole Station and uh, D.C. Long, who is a. a Army guy that was stationed at Fort Bragg who came across his event there at an underground installation. So um, all three of us are going to talk to Sean Ryan and, and just like yourself, he's about getting the truth and, you know, at least getting people to talk about and whether or not they make up their own mind about what is going on is totally up to them. Right. You exactly. know, uh, open minded is the best way to approach this is like I said, I don't know everything in the world. There's nobody on this planet that knows everything in the world. And there's always new things that are happening. There's always things that are going to be swept under the rug that are going to come out to, to revelation someday. And that's what's going on right now. So the more people that we have helping under, you know, understand this 
and people who actually have information, like I said, get a hold of my email, um, put it in the link. That way they can reach out and mm -hmm. I can meet them and kind of mentor them to do the right thing. Absolutely. No, Michael Herrera, thank you so much. And hopefully I can catch up with you again soon. We can do this again, follow up as things continue to progress. I'd, I'd like to do that if, you, if you're game. Let's do it in six months. We're going to see what happens in six months so that we can come back and hash that out too and see what really came about it. You know what I mean? It'll be interesting. Absolutely. I think it sounds like a good plan. Michael Herrera, thank you very much joining me here on UAP Weekly, and we'll talk to you again soon. Got it, buddy. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, there you have it right there. Michael Herrera in his first uh, interview since uh, DC uh, Disclosure Project back on June 12th. And I am uh, honored to say that it was right here with me on UAP Weekly. I mean, you heard him mention in the beginning how he's turned down, you know, close to 70 interview requests in the past week, a lot for mainstream media, you know, all the, you know, CNN, MSNBC, all the big names and everything. And he's turned those down. Um, because he knows about the agendas that they try to push, and I appreciate very much his willingness to come on here today and his um, his sentiment that you know I'm trying to do <laughs> trying to do the right things here on UAP, and I, I appreciate that, and that he chose to come on here um, and talk about all this. So thank you again to Michael Herrera for doing that, and it was incredible. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to take in there. This is the longest episode I've ever done of UAP in general, UAP or UAP Weekly, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone over an hour before, but obviously that was uh, highly worth it today to hear directly from Michael and to hear his story and his take on everything and, you know, what he's, the information he's come across and the information he's been told and the information that he knows. So it was incredible just to hear his story, his perspective on all these things and, Really thank him for that. And you can still look forward, of course, to the original UAP, that uh, episode 71, working on that one. So hope to have that out soon for you as well. And, of course, more UAP Weekly in the future. We'd love to talk more to guys uh, from that conference, hopefully future discussions, possibly Dr. Stephen Greer. So we'll see what else comes up here on UAP Weekly, of course, covering all the latest when it comes to UAP news and everything happening because um, there's a lot. There's a lot that's going on these days in the UAP world. Of course, you can continue to uh, check out the podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Download, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. On Twitter, you can find me with the show at UAPodcast850. That's at UAPodcast850. And I'm going to have uh, a lot of the links um, from what uh, Michael was talking about on there as far as you know, some just some snippets. I'm going to try to do some video things with this as well, so keep an eye out for that. And of course, just keeping up with all the latest information on the show. But I'm out of breath at this point. So I will go now and just say thank you again for listening to this show, to every episode that you listen to, especially this incredible episode here today. Look forward to doing much more soon on UAP and UAP Weekly. It's Stephen Diener right here. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon.